Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Sarah Sweeney is a speech-language pathologist who offers pediatric speech and myofunctional therapy in Mechanicsburg, Virginia. She started her private practice during the pandemic when she saw an opportunity to help families who really needed her help. I got to know Sarah in the Grow Your Private Practice program, and it has been amazing to watch her grow so quickly and in a wonderful way. In this episode, she shares how she felt trapped in the schools and even considered getting a job with the Postal Service because she was so unhappy. Instead, she decided to start a speech therapy private practice And my goodness, that has turned around her career and her life. Now she has a thriving practice with another SLP, an office manager, and is adding an OT soon. In this episode, she talks about the importance of things like setting boundaries and exploring your relationship with money and how those are essential for private practitioners. She also talks about being a type B SLP and what role she hired for to help her stay organized. If you're thinking about starting or growing a private practice and you want to see how Sarah did it, this is a must-listen episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system, and I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place. So let's get started. All right, before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yes, my name is Sarah Sweeney. I am in Richmond, Virginia, and the name of my private practice is Sunshine Speech Therapy. I am so excited to do this episode. Sarah, we've known each other for a good while, and I've watched you like go from beginning private practitioner to very established and underway and growing private practitioner. And I want to hear that whole story of how that unfolded for our listeners to hear. But before we dive into that, can you please share, you know, how did you get started in the profession and when did you start thinking about private practice? 
Absolutely. So I graduated from a master's degree program in 2017. I went to the University of Virginia's uh, communication disorders program and I worked. My clinical fellowship was in the public school system and I continued with that school system for another two years. And then COVID turned everything on its head. Right. So in my third year of practicing as an SLP in the schools, uh, we shut down along with everybody else, right? And I happened to work with a caseload that really was comprised of children with really high need support, right? High support needs. I was going through the virtual coaching with their parents because that's essentially the best we could do in many circumstances. And as we continued to get through the weeks of lockdown and working virtually together, I just started thinking to myself, I feel like there would be a way to serve this demographic where we could be relatively safe and go into homes, right, with masks and shields and tests. And once I started doing that, it, I just, I got a really, really big caseload over the summer. And I had been seeing a couple of clients before COVID turned everything on its head, right? I started a couple of clients outside of my school hours simply because the lead SLP at my school system said, hey, this three-year-old really needs private speech therapy in her house. Can anybody do that? I don't know why. I have no idea why, but I was under the impression I wasn't allowed to do that. I have no idea why. Not a clue. But I learned I could do that. And that's what got the ball rolling. So then when COVID turned everything on its head and I saw this high need for in-home support, I got this huge caseload and I said to my husband, I think I want to leave the schools and I think I can do this. Like, am I thinking straight here, right? This is wild. And it it's where, I mean, I'm so grateful. It's worked out beautifully so far. I have, I've just had a, a huge caseload, lots of kids to see and serve. So that that's how it began. I love that story of like, you know, had a job, things were going okay, right? Then the whole world turned upside down, right? And it's like you found a way to fill a need, right? To fill a need for these kids and the families and also to fill your personal need, right? Like maybe you were like, I, this isn't really what I signed up for. (laughs) Like this isn't going the way that I wanted to. I'm not able to help the kids in the way that I wanted to. And so being able to go back to that, right, and to lean on the little bit of experience that you had with a handful of private clients and then be like, you know what, I think I can do this, right? And that also must have been kind of a process for you because that's something that a lot of SLPs and OTs struggle with is that idea of like, is this something that I can do, right? Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest because that's how I roll. I was terrified. There was part of me that was terrified, but there was another part of me that thought, you are doing this to serve a need. You are doing this with, there's a purpose behind this, right? And I knew I'm in an area where there are weightless galore, right? There's a good amount of speech clinics where I live, but in the particular area I'm in, there are none, right? So everybody has to drive 30 minutes plus usually to go get their speech services. So I just thought, you know what? I'm scared, but I'm going to do it scared. I'm doing it. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah, I love that. And okay, so you you got underway during COVID, right? You decided yes. to leave your job and you mm-hmm. need to talk to your husband. I think that's another thing that kind of happens is sometimes, you know, people like talk to their spouses and they're really kind of trying to work it out. And sometimes 
what happens and you can say, you know, how your husband felt about it. But sometimes, you know, it's often the spouse who's like, you know what, I've been telling you to do that for years. <laughs> the FLP who's like, I don't know if I can do it. And the spouse is like, of course you can do it. You're amazing. You hate your job. You had an opportunity to earn more for our family. Like, why wouldn't you do this? Right. Like, what, what was that dynamic like in your relationship? Well, I am very, very fortunate because he believes in me a hundred percent and was like, you can do this. And I, when I would doubt and say, are you sure? He'd go, Angel, I, I would tell you if I didn't believe in you. <laughs> He's a very pragmatic block person, right? He's a writer. I was like, okay, thanks, you know? But yeah, I mean, having that support is so necessary. I know not everyone falls into that category, unfortunately, but I think it's so important to surround yourself with people who can support you, believe in you, know this is possible. And that's one of the reasons, Jenna, why what you do is so fabulous and wonderful. Because really, what gave me the just vision, organization, support, feeling like, yeah, I think I can do this, is listening to your podcast, going on your Facebook group. I believe shortly after I said, hey, I'm resigning from my job. Let's see what happened. You know, let's do this thing that I joined your Grow Your Private Practice program at that time. And it was very, very helpful, very helpful. So I suggest to anyone who maybe has a partner or a spouse or friends or family or colleagues, right? Because I definitely had some colleagues that were like, I don't think this is, you know, you know, that's scary. I don't think it's doable. It's too scary. And I said, I'm just, you know, I'm going to do it. And connecting with those people on your Facebook forum and connecting with you is so beneficial because you can see evidence. Oh my goodness, this is possible. And then you have other people cheering you on. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have pockets of people who are going through this together, right? That's one of the things about private practice that I'm actively trying to change, right? Is that it's kind of hush hush, right? People are in different parts of the country. They're in different types of jobs. And like they might have this desire, but there's nobody to talk to about it. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why I think some of, of my Facebook communities like the Private Practice Beginners Group have really blown up. I mean, at the time of this recording, we have 24,000 SLPs and OTs in there who I think are so grateful to just have a place where people are talking about private practice openly and they're talking about you know, why they're thinking about doing it. They're talking about things like, you know, financial challenges, you know, coming out of schools and hospitals and the realities of that. And then another thing that they're talking about, which you and I chatted about before we started recording, was this idea of like money guilt, right? And financial guilt. And like they want to start a private practice, but they're so hesitant about charging for their services. So what would you kind of, what is your take on that? I've got a lot of takes on that. So like I had mentioned before we started recording, I think that if you are considering going into private practice, then it is so important to find resources that help you to explore your relationship with money, right? Your relationship with money, just I know that one of your key phrases, you know, in the podcast, because I've listened to, oh, I don't know, maybe I was this morning, I was like, I probably listened to about 80%, maybe 90% of her, you know, I missed a few, but I've listened to so many. Like, I remember when I was driving around, when I was first providing therapy in home, like your podcast was the background. And here we are. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so amazing. But so typically, I feel like therapists, SLPs, we are helpers. We perceive ourselves as helpers. And sometimes we feel like the helper persona 
does not jive with the earner persona, right? Yep. But those things are not mutually exclusive. They are not mutually exclusive. And so, you know, depends. I know we talk about like, what area are you in? How much does Medicaid reimburse or Medicare and trying to figure out our rates and things of that nature? But I mean, you have to sit down and figure out what works for you. I accept insurance. So I am in network with four commercial insurance companies and Medicaid. But something that you and I touched on briefly is the idea that we have to have policies in place in our practices to protect them. And I think that one of the biggest concerns or icky feelings that a lot of private practice owners have is when they enforce their policies that involve money. So no-show fees, cancellation fees, things of that nature. Um, I, it's taken me three years to work through that and really feel comfortable with enforcing those fees. But, you know, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown, right? As I know you are. And one of her catchphrases, if you will, mantras that really stuck with me is the idea that clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And I use that in so many different areas of my business, including our practice policies. Yeah, The idea that if we were abundantly clear and transparent about what our policies are and what our rules are, when we enforce them, we're not being unkind. You, We have to protect ourselves, right? Absolutely. And the interesting thing is, you know, we are in other experiences where there might be a cancellation fee, right? Like maybe like a restaurant that you have to like, you know, hold your credit card for or, you know, you get a, a no-show fee at the gym or, you know, the hair salon or that kind of thing. I was using my hairdresser, the, my dog groomer, my massage therapist, right? I get that. You know, like I, I feel like that's everywhere. So having those policies, I've, I feel like I've coached just informally on the side a couple of people at our groups where I'm like, hey, listen, your business is not a ministry. It's not free, right? It's a business. And you invest so much money and time and energy in going into grad school and going to the profession and starting your own practice. You have to have rules where you protect yourself and you're able to have that income come on so you can keep existing. I would love to be like, oh, you forgot about your speech therapy session. Don't worry about it. Oh, this, ha don't worry about it. But the fact is they won't have a sunshine speech therapy to come to. Right. Yeah, you absolutely, if you want to stay in business for the long term, like you have to have income coming in and you also have to have profit, right? So it's not just revenue. You have to have money on top of that. And that's one of the things that I see again and again. And I've started to talk about this a little bit on the podcast and in the groups. And this will also be in my book, everybody. But this idea of like the struggling private practice versus the successful private practice. And there are people who I've seen in my groups for years who have been struggling in their private practice and they continue to struggle for reasons just like what you've explained, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you don't have enough income coming in, you're going to continue to struggle, right? And so yeah. you have to put these policies in place. And I love what you said about, you know, the Brene Brown quote, because I also agree, like, if you know the policy and you're clear about it and your clients know, it makes people show up, right? Like how many, again, listeners, how often have you had, you know, know that you're going to get a no-show fee and, you know, that makes you get out of bed, right? Or that makes you decide not to cancel that appointment or whatever, right? It works and it is fair to the business owner, to the small business owner. And just like everyone loves to support small businesses, right? You're also yes. a small business. 
Exactly. Precisely. Absolutely. Yes. And I find that having, you know, when I interview people to come work, other therapists to come work with Sunshine Speech Therapy, one of the things they ask about, and this is so smart, what's your what's your attendance like? And our t- attendance is at 80% because people understand that we have these policies and we take them seriously. I mean, it's just, I think it's one of those ideas that when you have boundaries for yourself, people then know how to treat you, right? It's just, you're like, hey, this is how this works. Oh, okay, we respect that. We're gonna come, we realize that. So just wish everybody would do it and thrive. <laughs> that we're trying to do, right? Like we know that, you know, very few SLPs or OTs have any kind of a business background, right? People are not learning about this in school. They're not learning about this in other places. So listeners, it's not your fault that this doesn't come naturally to you. Well, what to do about the situation, right? But just like you invested in your clinical education, if you're going to run a business, you also have to invest in your business education to make sure that you know what to do and how to do it and how to put this stuff in place, or you're going to continue to struggle. That's just the reality. It is the reality of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So tell our listeners, so during COVID, you kind of made this shift and you started you know, doing home visits for these clients. What did your private practice look like now, right? You've mentioned that you have employees. I know you're on the Grow Your Private Practice program, so I know that you've grown. But tell people, what has that process looked like from getting started to starting to grow? So I was driving, gosh, it seems like a million years ago, even though it was honestly almost like a year and a half ago, but I was driving all around the greater Richmond area, going to see so many kids and I was loving it. But I reached the point where I had a wait list, right? And I always told myself, okay, if you have a wait list, then it's time to really explore moving into an office, right? And that was another thing. It's I say, do it all scared, right? There's going to be a part of you that feels nervous about stuff, but have faith, work hard and figure it out, right? So I went actually... And, and I also think it's so helpful to always be talking to people about what you're doing, right? Always be, to, oh, I'm a private practice owner. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. This is the demographic I work with. I went onto Facebook. I was looking for a commercial real estate realtor, right? Someone that could help me with finding a space because that is a huge leap. That's a huge leap in overhead, right? And so I put it out there. And then this woman who was a special education teacher at a school that I used to work at, we worked very closely together. She said, huh, my husband actually owns a building. His business is in the area you're looking in and they are trying to rent out the top floor. Turned into my space. It was like they were desperate to find a renter. Like they were really looking in this post-COVID era, you know, so many people working remotely. And it is a beautiful space. We painted it and put so many cheerful, lovely things in it. And so I just transitioned from seeing clients in home into the office were there a couple of people who said, man, it's really more convenient for me to have speech therapy in my home so I'm not coming to the office? Absolutely, that's to be expected. But those spots filled immediately. They filled immediately. And so then I, about six months after moving into the space, I hired my first employee. I hired another therapist and it just went beautifully. And then once she started, I realized I desperately needed an office manager. <laughs> Like I was doing okay managing my stuff, you know, and I do want to mention that from the 
get-go, I outsourced billing. From the get-go, I found a company I said, okay, this is not, because I tried for a couple of weeks and it would lead, like for the way that my brain works and how I roll, it was not doable. It just led to tears and frustration. Now, some people do it beautifully and that's okay. Like, I'm so impressed by that. But for me, that was the most important thing to have somebody else do from the get-go. So now I actually have my office manager do in-house billing and they're absolutely fabulous. I transitioned to that. But yeah, I had an employee. She actually went back to the schools. So she left me about a month ago. And that is something else I want to mention where, you know, there can be hiccups and things might not, they're never going to go the way that you envision, right? She's a fabulous therapist. We had so much fun together. It was awesome. She's so good with the kids. And she realized with her young children and her schedule, she needed to go back to the schools. And that was okay. That was totally fine, right? And so now I have somebody that's working afternoons. I have somebody else that's coming in as a contractor. Like I'm talking to an OT about coming into the space part-time. We are growing, we are moving. But I just wanted to bring up that the first therapist I hired realized she needed something different and that we were able to have that conversation. I kept joking, we had a conscious uncoupling. She was terrified. It's hard to say, I want to move on. I love it here, but I need to do something different. And I said, I support you. I honor you. I'm, I want to follow you as a therapist. You're amazing. You know, we can stay really positive, right? With even things that come our way that we weren't expecting because we're all just here to support each other. Well, and think about like, back to the clearest kind, like how kind is that, right? To just feel like, listen, yeah, that's fine. Like, I really, you know, I really like you. I respect you. Like, I also have kids. I understand the reality of that, right? And so, like, I think that's so beautiful, too. That's one of the things that, you know, I think as people think about, do I grow my private practice or do I keep it smaller? Realize that you have the opportunity if you grow and if you start to hire people to really be an amazing boss right? To be the kind of boss that maybe you didn't have, right? Like I had a real mixed bag of bosses, like in my, right? When I used to work for, um, for a hospital and then, you know, it was a real mixed bag, y'all. And I constantly am like, how can I truly be the boss that I didn't have for myself, right? And that's mm-hmm. wonderful employees who love working with you. And you also, you know, get those values that you share in common. And I think that that's awesome. But I want to go back to something you said about hiring the biller, right? Because I think that we all have to, you know, know thyself, right? We have to know what our strengths and weaknesses are. If you're the kind of person who struggles with like with either follow through and staying organized and making sure that your claims are being submitted, making sure that invoices are being sent out, right? That's another place that practices lose money is in not collecting the money that they, you know, did the session for, right? And so hiring a biller is going to help you keep the money, right? And I'm going to end this rant in one second here, but People sometimes get really nervous about like, oh, but I don't know, I have to pay, you know, 7% or 10%, whatever their fee is, right? Well, that's more than losing 100% of the money on the session, right? So it's like, you just have to know what are your strengths and weaknesses and hire out for those areas of weakness so you can stay in your zone of genius. Absolutely. And I think that's so important, like you said, to know thyself, right? I have joked from the beginning that I'm like, am I in the right seal? Because I'm uh, clearly am. I was meant to do this. Well, I'm so type B, right? I'm so type B. <laughs> and I know we have a lot of 
Yeah, of social media that's like the type DSLP. I love her. And like, there's more out there. And I'll look, we're not all, you know, it takes all kinds, right? But I know like organization, like, and I love therapy is my zone of genius. Marketing is my zone of genius. Talking to parents and coaching them and just giving all of that support is my zone of genius. Being organized, billing, getting all that. No, 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 no. I know myself and that is okay, right? And that's why I hire somebody to do it. And she does it beautifully. She's fabulous. Right. And you've given that person a job, right? Yeah. Jenna, the first time I do my payments, pay my employees through QuickBooks. And the first time I went on there, I was like, this is how many hours they've worked. And I was like, I just paid someone. Like, I paid them well. You know, it felt so empowering. It's a really cool feeling. It's really awesome. It is a cool feeling. Yeah, I feel the same way, right? Like I pay my my employees on Fridays and I get a little email. I also pay myself through my S Corp on Fridays and I'm, and it feels good. I love running payroll, right? Because those are people who like I'm supporting them. I'm supporting their family. They're supporting me, right? Yeah. And so it really, it feels good when you get to that level. So mm. do you say, you know, you have this space, you have people, you're maybe going to bring in an OT. What are the kinds of things that you're thinking about, like in terms of your, you know, continuing to move forward? What other kinds of growth opportunities are you exploring? I have so many ideas. And I, I want to say to everyone, you know, be creative. If you're a creative person, use that creativity. Some things are going to go beautifully and some things are going to pivot, right? That's just how it's going to go. Like I, we started a preschool play group that was a huge success here. So just having a few children come in with an SLP for an hour, working on language skills, singing songs, getting that social integration, which is so important in our, these children that were, you know, either born during COVID or were very, very young during COVID and did not have those socialization opportunities. So that's one offering we have. Now, I got trained in myofunctional therapy. That's one of my specialties about two years ago. And something I'm considering doing, I have, there's so many parents, I mean, everywhere, right? That deal with selective eaters, children who are more, quote, picky eater. And I'm thinking about doing something, having parents bring in children of certain ages, like a bed that are similar ages in together and work on like, play feeding therapy group. You know what I mean? Like three, maybe three littles in a high chairs. Like, oh, we're exploring this food. Just something where they're they're around peers, they're with a trained therapist. That's something I've been thinking about doing because I know I am the mother of a selective eater. I am the live <laughs> I've lived it. I'm living it. We're still, you know, working on all kinds of things. So I know how desperate one can feel if they if they don't know what to do to help in a very positive and healthy way get their child to eat more food. So I'm thinking about like a play feeding group. I'm still experimenting with that. I met with my son's former OT last Friday. She's considering going into private practice herself. And we had this idea, and this is a very long-term idea. We haven't sat down and really figured out what it would look like if it were to happen. But we are talking about like, what if there was a space for therapists who really want to work for themselves, want to have their own practice, and maybe a couple of people like she and I own the building and give that resource for therapists to have a space that's relatively affordable and people can come and have a variety of services and providers to choose from. That's something else we're thinking because I am all about growing my business. And at the same time, I am all about supporting other therapists who want to go into private practice themselves. And I've been very open with the wonderful therapists who have worked for me. I say if in the future, 
Like if you see in the future, you go going into private practice, you do not need to conceal that from me. I'd be happy to support you in any way, shape or form. Right. So having some sort of therapist collective is also an idea that's in the works. And then something else I'm thinking about doing is when a practice accepts insurance, there are times when because of the particular rules and that individual's policy, that even if they're paying a good amount of money to have an insurance policy, it will not cover speech therapy services, right? If we accept insurance, those people who accept insurance have all been there and, you know, or they have an extremely high deductible plan, right? And they can't afford the high deductible. So I am now toying with the idea of raising money for a scholarship, the scholarship program for maybe one or two kids. I haven't figured out all of it yet, but to allow them to receive the services they so desperately need through a Sunshine Speech Therapy Scholarship Fund. So that's something else I'm thinking about doing. I love that. Yeah. You and I are kindred spirits, first of all. Like we both have so many ideas of ways to help people, right? Like this is what I do, y'all. I'm at the grocery store, I'm shopping and I'm like, wow, I could make this resource or like, how could I make marketing <laughs> <Yes>. easier, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing, right? But I love that you're thinking that way. And, and listeners like, Listen to Sarah's creativity and realize that like you can be creative in the way that you have your private practice, right? If you want to run groups, if you want to add parent coaching, whatever voids there are in your community, step in and serve them, right? You don't have to hold back. You can keep a, just a small private practice, either like, you know, part time or on the side of your job or like Sarah, and you could start that way, but then grow it into a much bigger business or something in between, right? But you have full control over what you do with your practice. And you probably don't have control right now in the school or the hospital, early intervention, or even someone else's private practice that you're working in. So take back that control. Exactly. And I tell you, if I'm being completely transparent, which I said I always strive to be, there are times when having a private practice is so it's so much work, right? But the beauty of having your private practice is you can alter your schedule to make it work for you. You know, I've thought to myself, oh golly, should I just go back to the school? Should I just have summers off? Should I just, but when I, I think, and it's the school environment is wonderful for some therapists. That's where they thrive and that's okay, right? That's just not how it is for me. Because when I truly think back to the way that I felt when I was in the schools, I felt trapped. Truly, I felt trapped. I remember one day I was so miserable in the schools. I was looking at jobs on UPS, Jenna. I was like, I heard they pay really well. Let me just take a little gander, you know? <laughs> like that's, you know, every school is different. Every situation is different. But I was deeply unhappy. But I'll think about like, am I missing, you know, am I missing that summer with my son? Am I missing this, that, and the other? But what I've done is I've structured my, my practice in such a way where Mondays and Fridays, I am with him. I'm dropping him off at school. I'm saying bye, honey, at the door. I'm greeting him when he comes out of the school. I'm there for him. And if I were in the schools, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be out the door super early, you know, just for how everything would work for us. So, and then in the summertime, I take Mondays and Fridays off. I'm with him four days a week, right? And I plan on taking off his whole Christmas break. I plan on taking a month off in this summer to go to Maine with him. So there are things you can do in your practice where you still have that balance. It's 
all about having that balance. And you can, it is possible. It may seem impossible, but it is absolutely possible to still have a really strong, solid income from your practice and still afford to take those breaks. Absolutely. That's what, that's what people really get into private practice, honestly, for the balance, right? I think that's what we're all lacking right now is like people don't have the balance and they they desperately need it, right? And like to be able to earn, you know, significantly more than you can in other settings and also in less time, right? Like that's the other thing is that you can earn more in less time. And that's, again, something that some people are like, just can't quite wrap their heads around, but it really just comes down to math. Everybody you just have to get the <laughs> calculator and do some math and figure out if if this is going to be worth it for you. And it's perfect for some people. And the other reality is it's not perfect for everyone, right? But there's no way to know unless you try it, right? Unless you just take on even a couple clients, you give it a go. And if you like it, if you get bitten by the bug, you keep going. If you're like, you know what, this isn't for me, then you stop. No big deal. We are very hireable, right? Let me tell you, the school or the hospital that you used to work at would love to have you back, right? <laughs> and so, you know, you owe it to yourself and to your family and to your community to give this a try and see if it works for you. Yes, absolutely. And I feel, you know, in my experience with private practice, the parents and the families, the guardians, they're so appreciative. They're so much more appreciative. And I think that's largely if you're in the schools, you just don't really interact with the parents very much. You don't versus they're coming to you in private practice. They're voluntarily coming to you. They want your services. They are seeking you out. They say, thank you so much for loving and supporting my child. It's just a beautiful thing. It's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. When it's beautiful for them, and clearly it's beautiful for you and your family too, right? To be able to have that flexibility to spend time with your son, to be able to, you know, be earning what you're worth. I think that it really is important for us, again, to just explore this possibility. And, And listeners, you know, if you have this dream, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, right? Sarah was in the, your same shoes, right? She was listening to yeah. the podcast too, going back and forth to work at that school. And then all of a sudden here she is just a couple years later with a thriving private practice and sharing her story on the podcast. Yes. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. And I just, to anyone who's on the to anyone who's not believing in themselves, I say, if you have the drive to do it, just do it. Just do it. I can't remember the name of the woman who hosts Speech Goods. I'm so sorry. I listen to it all the time. Danny Augustine. Okay. Yes. Danny, Danny, Danny. Yes. Well, she just says, just do the dang thing. Do the dang thing. It's just, just do it. I mean, life is short and the fulfillment you can get from serving your community in this way is just amazing. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And you don't know where it's going to take you, right? Like, you know, Sarah started off again just a couple of years ago. She was able to step in and really help families who needed support in a very difficult time, right? And now you've got this practice that you're growing and that you not only want to grow your practice, but you've got these other amazing ideas that might start to roll out over time. And so, again, like, just be creative. Like, you don't have to stuff away your desires or your creativity or the things that you would love to do and love to bring to your community, like you can actually go out there and do it. And Sarah is living proof 
of someone who has been able to do this and do it really well. And I cannot wait to see what happens next for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, this has been an absolute pleasure. So for anyone who wants to learn more about you, can you share either your website, social media, where can people learn more about your practice? Absolutely. So on Instagram, I am Sunshine Speech and Mayo. And my website for my practice is www.mysunshinespeech.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on the podcast and for sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super honored and grateful to be here. Don't you just love Sarah? I love her energy, how direct she is, and how she's truly creating a career and a life that she loves. She is a perfect example of someone who saw a gap in her community and decided to fill it, which in turn filled her own gap in terms of her career satisfaction. If you would like to know more about our programs and how we've helped people like Sarah grow their practices, visit growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.